Uh, the pleasures of weeding a garden. I know it's hard to imagine when there is snow on the ground, but when I was growing up, that was one of my mom's favorite chores to assign to us to do during the summer. And we could not, me and my, hey, by the way, Danae, I have three brothers too. Mine are all older, but um, girl power, I know how that goes. Um, but my mom would give us chores to do that we would have to complete before we could go to the community swimming pool. And y'all, I felt like we were weeding the garden every week. I'm sure it wasn't quite that frequently, but it, no matter how long it had been since the last time we weeded, I was always amazed at how that joint grass and that crab grass would make its way back into um, surrounding mom's flowers or her vegetables. And it really was probably one of my most detested chores. That she, I would rather clean and scrub the toilets than go and weed the garden. So with that in mind, I kind of like where Jesus goes with today's parable. But I'm pretty sure that my conclusion as a minimalist gardener is not quite what Jesus had in mind. But more on that later. We are starting a five-week series on uh, the parables focusing on God's kingdom, the kingdom. And we hope, our hope is that this, this time together will help us to formulate and refine our identity as Christians in this world. They, uh, parables, these particular parables will help us to think about the future and God's future, but more importantly, how that future informs our present. And Jesus' parables always challenge us, but this particular group of parables we've chosen to, to study will help us to focus on um, comparing and contrasting the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, with the kingdom of this world. And in one way or another, time and time again, we will ask you to consider which kingdom are you following? In a time like no other that I can remember, we are challenged to stay grounded in the example of Jesus Christ. And this series will help us draw a distinction between what is clearly of this world and what is not. So today, we began to piece together this distinction by, uh, of God's kingdom by focusing on a parable about the weeds. From Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like someone who planted good seed in his field. While people were sleeping, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat and went away. When the stalks sprouted and bore grain, then the weeds also appeared. The servants of the landowner came and said to him, Master, didn't you plant good seed in your field? Then how is it that it has weeds? An enemy has done this, he answered. The servants said to him, Do you want us to go and gather them? But the landowner said, No. Because if you gather the weeds, you'll pull up the wheat along with them. Let both grow side by side until the harvest. And at harvest time, I'll say to the harvesters, first gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned. But bring the wheat into my barn. 
Now, I want to add to this reading for you to hear a few more verses that come a little bit later in the chapter 13 of Matthew. And it's Jesus' explanation about the parable of the weeds. So here's what Jesus said that that story meant. Jesus left the crowds and went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. Jesus replied, the one who plants the good seed is the human one. The field is the world, and the good seeds are the followers of the kingdom, but the weeds are the followers of the evil one. The enemy who planted them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the present age. The harvesters are the angels. Just as people gather weeds and burn them in the fire, so it will be at the end of the present age. The human one will send his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that cause people to fall away and all people who sin. He will throw them into a burning furnace. People there will be weeping and grinding their teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Those who have ears should hear. This is God's word for all of God's people. Thanks be to God. I think before we dig into what this particular parable has to say to us, maybe we should take a moment and remind ourselves what the parables are as a device in the New Testament. Because it's been a while, I think, since we've preached from the parables. Parables are a kind of literature. They are a riddle or a lesson that provides a comparison a contrast using a metaphor to teach us something. And it is specifically a way of revealing a complex truth, a complex truth, but it uses simple and ordinary everyday words and images. Jesus used parables in a very new kind of way. This was not a typical um, teaching tool that rabbis used. And his parables about the kingdom often talked about things that were already happened, happening, but they weren't yet perfected. He compared the here and now with an anticipated future. But be warned, because oftentimes Jesus' parables were and are disturbing and disruptive stories. They turn things upside down. They often went against the the typical mental models of what people expected things to be, the order of things, both in Jesus' time, by the way, but also disruptive for us today. And in this particular parable, the immediate context of chapter 13, where Uh, Jesus laid down several, several parables in a row. It comes in Matthew's gospel right after the conflict section where Jesus is being rejected by the leaders of Israel. So what can we learn then specifically from this parable of the weeds? Well, don't weed your gardens, right? You don't have to weed your gardens. Back to my original story. Well, Although that is what Jesus says, I am pretty sure that is not exactly the point today. I think the real point is that the kingdom of God is alive and well today in spite of the coexistence of evil in our midst. 
So how do we draw this conclusion and, and what does that conclusion actually mean? Uh, let's dig into this and, and work our way through it. So to recap Jesus's uh, explanation of the parable, the key to the parable um, that Jesus himself provides, the sower is Jesus, the, the son of man. The field is the world. Some people think that it was specifically the church in Matthew's time, but, but it's beyond that. It's, it's the world around us. It's the church. It's our families. It's, it's our context that surrounds us. The good seed equal the children of God. The bad seed or the weeds are, are meant to symbolize children of Satan, people who are unfaithful. The sower or the, of the bad seed is the devil or Satan. The harvest is the end of the age. It's the end of time when Jesus comes again. The reapers, the harvesters, are angels. And that bottom line meaning, according to Jesus, is that at judgment, evil will be destroyed. So, this is a surprising story for us, and there are some unexpected twists in what no one would normally expect in the, the farming way of life. You would expect the servants to plant the seeds and to harvest the wheat. We would expect there to be weeds in a garden or a field. So why were the servants and the landowner surprised to see weeds growing? But what is truly sur surprising in the story, what truly turns it upside down, is it like my mom, any good gardener or farmer knows that weeds are not good for the growing of the best flowers or the best crops. They siphon off the nutrients in the soil. They can choke and limit the growth of the healthy good plants and they look ugly. They can cause more labor in the end by separating the mature weeds from the plants. And in this particular story, the weed that is being referred to is believed to be, be a plant that looks a lot like weed, wheat, but it carries a fungus with it. And if it is harvested with the wheat and ground up into the flour, the whole batch is spoiled. But what does Jesus teach us in this parable? Leave the weeds. Wait and let them get separated out later at harvest time completely unexpected. Again, what is Jesus saying here to do? To leave the weeds and let them grow alongside of the wheat that they will be separated later, later at the end of the harvest time. Jesus is telling us a hard to hear lesson that the good mixes with the bad, that the two coexist. And it's an uneasy message to try and make sense of that our world, even our families, or our church is not entirely a trustworthy place. That we can find moments of brilliance and model examples followed by epic failures or maybe more realistically put, poor choices and brokenness. We know our church can be inspiring, inspiringly courageous at one moment and then petty and faithless the next. But is this really a surprising conclusion? Because if we look within ourselves, we see the same truth, the same dichotomy in our human nature. Each one of us is some kind of a combination of brilliance and brokenness, of faithfulness 
and selfishness, of knight in shining armor and shyster. Maybe what is so disturbing is to hear it come out of Jesus' mouth. But to be clear, this is what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying. The reason we leave the weeds with the wheat is because it's not our job to judge who the weeds are and who the wheat are. We can't be trusted to tell the difference, friends. It really is not our job. But to leave the weeds, to be clear, is not to a call to ignore the evil and the injustice in our world. Our job is to live as faithfully as we can, trusting in the coming harvest to rid the world of weeds. We are not equipped to eliminate our world of evil. If we try and do that, if we take on that role, we will cause more harm if we try to be judge. But don't despair. Don't despair that we somehow are lost in a chronically compromised world because evil is only temporary. God reminds us that God will ultimately destroy it and in the end, only good endures. And after a week like we've lived through, it's still easy to look around and lose hope. To think, what's the point? That Jesus' side must be losing. That people have lost their mind and there is no right and wrong anymore. And all that matters is what I want or the truth that I believe to be true. And there doesn't appear to be a moral compass that holds a true north that everyone's moral compass is oriented to. It feels like anything goes and I can choose my own due north depending on what I want the final outcome to be. And I do feel like I need to say this today that what happened on the Capitol last week was morally and ethically wrong. Now, it is one entirely appropriate thing to protest in public, something you believe to be true, and it is okay to disagree with something and to express that disagreement. We are not all of like mind, but it is not acceptable or Christ-like to plan to storm a building in order to take hostages or threaten and plan to kidnap, hurt, or kill people, to use violence to get your way or to express your frustrations. There's no justification for these behaviors in the Gospels. And I pray, I pray that in the days to come, there are only peaceful protests with no violence or ill intention towards others. I pray that with time we can all come back to using the same due north to guide our actions of what is right and what is wrong, what is okay and what is not okay. Yes, we can easily look around and feel like there's no point 
after all of this time, the gospel of Jesus Christ has not borne the fruit we would expect, that good is not conquering evil. Some might ask, how can this world reflect God's kingdom when so much evil is still present? We can even stand on the precipice and wonder if Jesus' good news has failed somehow, that good is losing out after all of these years. Historically speaking, this might have been a particularly distressing story, parable to hear to those early Christians who believed that God was trying to create a community that was pure and made up of only good and holy people, much like the laws are trying to do in establishing the new Israel nation in the Old Testament. But we saw how well that worked. In Jesus' time, I imagine they were looking around thinking, well, the Romans are still here and other religions are dominating the world. And like Matthew Some leaders of the early church were very stressed about all the mixed communities in their midst, in their church. The Jews and the early Christians were trying to work it out. The Jewish Christians and the Gentiles, or the non-Jews, the Greeks, were trying to work it out. And all of these kinds of people were present in the church. And if we are honest, there were many whose expectations of what the early Christian movement would look like were frustrated or disappointed. Jesus was no mighty Messiah that overturned the Roman government. Matthew was also frustrated that the church in his time was filled with what we would call now, I think, pseudo-disciples. Someone who professed Jesus as Lord, but who didn't act like it. Matthew was frustrated by Christians who refused to follow Jesus' moral and ethical leading. And I think we probably have a lot of pseudo-disciples today as well because it's hard to be a Jesus follower. And this parable of the weeds was trying to explain how the kingdom of God could in fact be present when expectations were not being met both then and now. That yes, the kingdom of God could and can and does exist in spite of the presence of evil all around them and around us. Yes, the two could and would exist until final judgment, until Jesus comes again in final victory. So don't give up hope in God's kingdom and don't give up on our purpose to try to live faithfully amidst the weeds. So if we turn back to the story for some reassurance of our purpose, we see in verse 30 where Jesus says, let both grow side by side until the harvest. And at the harvest time, I'll say to the harvesters, first gather the weeds and tie them together in bundles to be burned, but bring the wheat into my barn. In some ways, I find this teaching comforting. I find this explains part of what I see happening around us. It is a reminder that God is not the only agent at work in the world. Evil is a real thing. It's not just a Disney fairy tale plot used to create the antagonist of the story. 
This parable explains why the complicated and frustrating theological problem of theodicy happens, why bad things happen to good people. If we believe evil is real and at work around us, then not all actions happening in this world can be attributed to God. Because Jesus calls for the judgment to happen at the end of times, it means we have to figure out how to navigate the weeds in the here and now. And it's interesting to me that Jesus trusts us to faithfully stand tall as good wheat among the weeds. To withstand the forces of evil we talked about last week that can pull us away from God. Jesus does not want to disturb the plants while they are growing. And why is that? Maybe it's because to pull the weeds up can risk disturbing the root system of the healthy wheat. And we need all the help we can get to be strong and deeply rooted in Christ. And I won't lie, there were times when I was weeding my mom's garden that I um, got hold of a good plant every now and then and felt terrible when I realized that I had just jerked up a perfectly good flower. Or at times, pulling up the weeds, it dislodged part of the tomato plant or part of the miniature rose bush. But I also wonder if part of Jesus' master plan is that knowing we are actually people and not plants, that we can start out as weeds or children far from God, and we can be transformed into wheat or faithful children of God, that with time, just maybe, some of those who would have been plucked up along the way as a weed could change their ways before the time of harvest or judgment and be a good plant, a good wheat. However, the reverse of that is also true. People of faith have to find ways to stay faithful and strong, knowing that there are forces around us trying to weaken our root system and keep us from bearing fruit for Christ. And we can't let that happen. We have to remember that our identity is grounded in the good seed that we are. We have to remember our Christian identity is formed around the life and the teaching of Jesus Christ and that ultimately we want to be wheat that is saved. We want to be the wheat that is brought into God's barn. We want to be the children of God that enter into the kingdom of heaven forever and ever. So maybe our best takeaway from this lesson is to remember that it is not our job to judge between the wheat and the weeds. and We shouldn't trust ourselves to not yank up some of the good wheat along with what we think are weeds. But at the same time, we're not being told to ignore evil. So the question that we have to ask ourselves today is, what kind of seed are we and our job is to focus on being the good seed the faithful Jesus followers the people who bear fruit for God's kingdom in the here and now especially amongst the weeds 
So if you are wavering in your belief in God's kingdom, after looking around our current circumstances, dig deep and recognize that we are living in a time where good and evil must coexist for a season, but stay vigilant. Be clear on who you are and don't let the weeds compromise your being good wheat. Because there will come a time when what you do in and with your life matters. Jesus promised us that there will be a time when the wheat and the weeds will be separated and how you've lived your life will determine whether you are wheat or whether you are weeds. And there will come a time when you will have to look back in your life and determine which kingdom did you decide to follow? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of this world? The seeds that God planted or the seeds that the evil one planted? Wheat or weeds? And don't let there be any confusion about which you are. Don't let there be any confusion when someone looks at your life about who is Lord of your life. This is what we want to explore for a few more weeks. How we can distinguish ourselves as good wheat. And Besides, I don't know about you, but I really want to see the inside of God's barn. Amen.